the Young and Healthy Podcast. You're listening to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. Welcome to episode 18 of the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. I'm your host for today, Michael English. And today we're talking about fostering self-esteem in kids. Low self-esteem in children can affect their performance in school, relationships with friends and family, body image, and can influence kids engaging in all types of negative behavior such as bullying, drinking, smoking, and other acts of self-harm. So today, we're going to have Dr. Beverly Smolyansky come in and talk to us about ways we can help improve self-esteem in kids. Dr. Smolyansky, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about what you do here at Cincinnati Children's. I'm Beverly Smolyansky, and I'm a staff psychologist. Right now, I'm full-time at the Liberty Campus. I see outpatient, mostly little kids, mostly 12 and under. I do a lot of work with anxiety, OCD behavior problems. Been around for a long time. Okay. I think I just had 24 years in the hospital. So Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen quite a bit. Were you, so were you actually here before the Liberty Building was built? Yes, I started in Mason okay. for about three years. Then I came down to main campus for 11, back to Mason, and then to Liberty. Oh, okay. So. Great. So self-esteem. When we're talking about self-esteem, uh, give our listeners an idea of exactly what we mean and why is it so important in kids. The self-esteem, I mean, basically it's how you feel about yourself. It's the way you perceive your abilities, your skills, your self-worth, your confidence in your own abilities. And when it comes to kids, why is that so important? Besides, you know, just being a happy person. Well, I think happy is a big point of that. You know, I think that the, the good self-esteem... The kids with better self-esteem feel better about themselves. They feel more confident. They're likely to try new things or to take risks with new things. Um, Even if they make a mistake, they're going to be the kids that are going to want to keep trying to not beat yourself up and feel bad about it and give up. So it's going to affect, like you said, from in your intro, from social school performance, home performance, relationships. And that sounds like it's something that would travel on to adulthood. So if you have problems with self-esteem as a kid... No matter what you accomplish as an adult, that sort of thing may still be there. Is that accurate? I think it can continue, but I also believe that it's changeable, that I think you can work to improve it. It's not a a static position. I have bad self-esteem, therefore I will always have a bad self-esteem. And that's why this this talk is important, to talk about how we can increase it, do more with kids. All right. Well, the fact that we can improve that is uh, good news for kids and I'm sure a lot of adult listeners as well. So tell me, how do we recognize that there is an issue with self-esteem in a kid? I think one of the big things we see that's very obvious, very out there is very negative self-talk. The I'm bad, I'm stupid, I can't do it, not wanting to take risks. I, you know, We know as psychologists the fastest way to change your feelings about things is to change your thoughts. So if you're going around saying, I'm stupid, I'm bad, I can't do it, you're going to believe it and you're not going to take risks. And on the flip side, if you can start to teach kids to have that more positive self-talk, I can do it, I can handle this, then they believe that. They can start feeling more positively. So how do we do that? I think one thing is being a good role model. 
parents need to start to talk about themselves using those I sentences. I always refer to them as I sentences. I feel like or I am good at this. And the positive things, saying good things about themselves, saying good things about the kids. We know that one of the biggest ways of changing that is the words they hear. Kids who are always hearing negative, you know, you're stupid, you're fat, or not hearing I love you or hearing the positives are going to have that very negative self-worth, not thinking that they're worth anything. The kids who hear the I love you, you can do it, you've got this, that's going to increase that. So one thing we can do is teach kids to do the self-talk, the positive self-talk, but also use the words ourselves and say those positive things, model that good behavior. Are there... Um... I guess maybe particular activities or things that we can do with kids um, besides like the positive self-talk to sort of help them feel a little bit more self-confidence or grow their self-esteem a little bit? There's probably several different levels of answers to that question. (laughs) I think early on how we praise our kids and when we praise our kids is very important and you might think that doesn't necessarily feel like it connects the two but there's a lot of good research out there especially around the the uh, mindset of a growth. If you're praising someone saying, you're perfect, you're the best, you are brilliant, you're the smartest, this is the best thing I've ever seen, those kids are not gonna be as willing to make mistakes or try harder. They don't want to (laughs) risk not being the best or not being perfect. So I think sometimes we praise children wrong. I remember once I was listening to a podcast about parenting and praise and the person said, we praise our children too much. And I've always disagreed with that. I just think sometimes we praise them incorrectly. I think we say the praises like that was perfect. Whereas a lot of that research says that if you praise effort or praise other things, instead of saying that was a perfect you know, performance in a sport, instead you say, you really tried hard. You worked hard. I can see you improving. You look like you really had fun out there. That kid is going to be more likely to want to try again, to want to try something that's even harder. And so we think we're doing well by telling them all these wonderful things like you're perfect, you're wonderful, you're the best kid ever. Those kids, the research says, are not going to be willing to try tougher things, more difficult things. And if they fail, it's going to hurt their self-esteem because I thought I was perfect. Right. I uh, read an article maybe a couple of years ago, and it was sort of talking about that concept and how important grit is, Mm -hmm. Mm G-R-I-T, and how a lack of that is in some ways directly related to exactly what you're talking about, sort of praising the wrong things instead of praising the things that the kid can actually control, like effort and mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, obviously, that's going to be a little bit different for uh, age groups. You know, uh, I think before we started recording, I told you I have a 5-year-old and a 22-year-old, so... You know, my five-year-old, if she wakes up in the middle of the night and goes and uses the restroom on her own, I will praise her for that because that's a show of independence. If my 22-year-old does that, uh, hopefully I don't even know about it. I don't really need that dialogue with her, and I'm definitely not going to praise her. I'm going to say, please leave me alone and drink your coffee and have your breakfast. So uh, how do you modify these approaches for different ages and different personalities for for uh For that matter, I know a lot of kids respond to things differently. I know a lot of the researchers say that self-esteem starts early, building that. Even as babies, we're starting to learn your own body. You're starting to recognize your name and how you control your body. 
we're starting to also start to pick up on what people say, the positives, the negatives, how you react. I'm starting to learn the nonverbals. So if you say you're happy with me, but your face doesn't show that, I'm not gonna believe you. So early on, your kids are gonna believe that. So even your three-year-old in the middle of the night, if you're like, good job, kind of rolling your eyes and not, they're not, they're gonna know you're not really sincere about that. And you know, the praise has to be individualized. You know, like you said, you're not going to tell your 22-year-old, good job for going potty. <laughs> you know, but on the other hand, what is it that she's working on? What is something that she's maybe needing some extra praise on? Um, how did that interview go? I'm sure you're going to nail it. You've really been practicing. You're going to do a great job. So it's more individualized to what the kid is doing, what their strengths, what their weaknesses. You may not need to praise as much something that they've already got down, but maybe that thing they need to work on or that thing that they were really struggling with, that class that they're feeling like they're not very good at math. We might really want to pile on the praise around math and that test. And if it was still a C, well, that was better than the last test that you did. You're on the right path. When you're talking about this sort of thing, I'm like, I think a lot of this is on the parents, right? You know, you're around the kid the most. You're the one talking to the parents. But is this also a communal thing? Should adults really be paying attention to all the kids and their lives? I'm, I don't mean like just sort of a random kid in the grocery store, but I mean if you have nieces, nephews, friends with kids and sort of using those same concepts or same tools uh, to make that kid feel as though they can do things and they, they it's okay to have confidence? Oh, absolutely. I think it's across the board. A couple things popped into my head when you said that. One is like coaches or teachers or anybody else. I'm not going to talk to a stranger in the grocery store. You know, good job listening to your mom. That would be weird. But for the coaches, I've seen great coaches that are praising the kids and others that are just standing in the middle of the, scream, scream, in the, middle of the field screaming. So... The other thing that popped into my head was modeling that good self-esteem and good positive self-talk that I was talking about. I think as, as adults, we say, I think women are worse at this. We say things like, oh, I look fat in this, or, you know, these pants don't fit, or I've got to go on a diet, or, you know, they're always ordering Diet Coke. They're all, never, ref you know, they're always refusing desserts. I think you had mentioned the self-esteem and body image. That's something that I think that we have to watch and monitor and role play that for other kids to say, I look good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things I've seen, especially over the past maybe 20 or 30 years, um, as social media has grown, that's also happening with boys now where they're having body image issues and it's causing a lot of, of negative consequences. So that's not something that we just have to do just for uh, this is basically not a conversation just for people that have girls. This is a conversation mm -hmm. for everyone, right? Oh, of course. I was just going to say you mentioned social media. That's a whole different conversation about what that can do for your self-esteem, how you feel about yourself. You know, as adults, we look at everyone else who on Facebook have perfect lives. You know, their family is perfect. They take beautiful pictures. You have things like Snapchat filters. I can make myself look beautiful in every single picture. I can only publish the positive things going on in my family. And that's, it gives kids and adults a little bit of a warped perception of what is reality and what is a good self-esteem, what is confident. How could I be confident if I'm not doing any of the things that person is doing? So you also mentioned social media, which always makes me think of bullying. How do kids maintain their self-esteem? 
or what tools can we give them to use when we're not around and you know they're in the whole uh you know lord of the flies situation and it's just a bunch of kids around there is a lot out there that says the kids who are confident the kids who have the good self-esteem they have a good peer support group are less likely to be bullied and less likely to be a bully um Bullies don't like strong, confident people. They don't like people who are surrounding themselves with very positive role models. They're gonna pick the person that's not going to say anything. They're gonna pick the person that isn't confident. To, I guess, maybe make a direct point on that for kids that maybe need to be able to stand up or be around bullies and you want them to have good self-esteem is to basically stand up to a bully? That's a Possibly. That might Possibly. be a scary, <laughs> that might be scary advice to some kids. Sure. I think just saying they have the they're less likely to be bullies, they're less likely to be bullied, I think is more of a preventative statement. If we can teach our kids from the beginning to have good self-esteem, I think if a child is actually being bullied, I think one of the first things as adults that we can do is listen to them and take them seriously. You know, if a child, like we said, they learn from our behaviors, they learn from what they hear. I hear a lot from schools that the kid is being picked on. They can give us specific events. They can tell us when it's happening, where it's happening, the child's name. They've gone to school, and if they can't see it on the school cameras, or if that kid doesn't admit to it, it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so I have quite a few kids who then say, well, if I say anything, no one believes me. That even kills that self-confidence even more. So they stop talking. They stop saying anything about it. They don't want to be the troublemaker. And that makes them even more of a victim. Mm -hmm. If that bully sees that person as even less confident and they're now not going to tell on me, I'm going to be all over that. So I think as parents, as teachers, we need to take the kids seriously. I remember many years back there was a, a phrase that we have zero tolerance. I don't think that really, it should exist. I don't know if it really does. I think as adults we need to change that. Take the kids seriously. If they say these things, go talk to the school. If the kid is making it up, at some point they're going to be like, no, 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 don't go talk to the principal. I was just kind of exaggerating that. But if they really are saying that, let them see that I believe you, I support you. Maybe even if nothing really gets done, they see that you as a parent are somebody that they can say those things to. They feel safer. They feel more confident. When you say, stand up to the bully, uh, maybe. But I think just to say that, it makes it sound like they're going to go out to the playground and punch the kid in the throat. We right. don't want to advise we, them right. to do that. We don't want a three o'clock meeting in the in the playground. Right. Right. I get that. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, you mentioned bullies and how, in actuality, despite how they present, sounds like they probably have low self-esteem. Now, I know that what I am going to say is it's probably frowned upon socially. <laughs> um, and the reason why it makes sense, you know, so some people may feel that a kid has um, too much self-confidence. They may display too much self-confidence. And again, I understand why that is not a nice thing to say. And it's applicable or not applicable for a lot of ages. For example, you know, no one says, man, that six-month-old really seems full of himself. Need to take him down a notch, right? It's normally for, for older kids. And I don't know if this happens because of the wrong praise that you were talking about before. 
or if it's fine if that sort of seemingly because I don't know if it is, but it's seemingly overabundance of confidence. Is it an okay thing? I think it depends on the situation. I would want to distinguish between somebody being too confident versus somebody who's impulsive and reckless. A kid who says, sure, I can do that. I am confident I can do that. And they are not stopping to think of the consequences. They're not stopping to think of the fact that they could get hurt and they just do it. Someone might think that's too much confidence, probably, but I, when it's in a very impulsive or reckless way, those kids are gonna get hurt. So in that case, I would have to say, yes, we don't want that. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't say that's necessarily just having too much confidence. I also think of the person or the kid who sort of pushes that on everybody else. I am the best and I am better than you. And is that really too much self-confidence? Or they're almost maybe trying to make up for a lack of self-confidence. I need to make myself look better than you. I mean, that does actually bring up one thing is sort of where we attribute our success or our failures, that locus of control. These kids who rely more on those other people's opinions, you know, they need someone else to stroke their ego. They need someone else to always say nice things about them, aren't gonna do as well. We need to have more of an internalize. Those kids who believe that it's how you perceive me. It's all about appearance. It's all about my friends. It's all about how people see me. Social media. How many friends do I have? Um, they're not going to do as well. They're going to have the lower self-esteem. They're going to have more risk of mental health issues, things like depression, as opposed to the people who more internalize it. I did well on that test because I'm good at math. I studied very hard. Is going to be the much more positive, kind of leading to the more positive self-esteem. Self-motivation and internal rewards. I like mm -hmm. it. Yeah, you're, you're speaking my language. And you know, those kids who have the very high self-confidence, it does vary a little bit. We see that they attribute their successes to things inside me. I did well on that test because I studied hard and I'm really good at math. They see their failures as maybe external to themselves. That was an impossible test. That teacher never taught it to us. I'm just going to do better the next time. And so that's a, you know, a healthier way of doing it. But I do think that those people like that person you see who's, I am the best and I am smarter, like you say, is too confident. Is that really too confident? Or is that just someone sort of making up for not feeling that confident, needing the strokes externally? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And, um, you know, I've met a few of those people. Um, I have an uncle who, if you ask him, he can do any things and all things. He cannot, <laughs> but he expresses a lot of confidence. Um, but then you have people like The Rock, who seems like a very humble, down-to-earth guy. And as far as I know, he actually can do everything. I, I believe he might be Superman. Um, so if you're a parent and you notice the self-talk with your kids seems negative, and you're trying to better model that behavior. You're trying to give your kid the tools uh, to build their own self-esteem, whether they're around you or away from you at school. And you just aren't seeing the improvement that you'd like to see. Or if you're struggling to implement uh, some of the things that we've talked about, uh, what are some resources that parents can turn to or ways that they can get additional help? There are probably thousands of books out there <laughs> for kids, for adults, for children on 
feeling better about yourself and really having better self-esteem. And it's sort of funny, as I was flipping through some of them thinking about this talk, I don't know if there are many bad books on encouraging a kid to feel good about themselves. I would encourage families to go and look at what's age appropriate for the child and even what's the kid's interest. I'm sure if your kid's into Legos, you're gonna find a Lego book about feeling good about yourself. And so I think anything that's talk, if they feel like they need help, any book is gonna be better than none. I know on the um, American Psychological Association's website, they do have a couple books that they recommend. But if you just search on Amazon, there's hundreds and hundreds of them. Sure. You could search by age, by gender. A lot of them are very cute. This is a, a personal question, but you know, I have a young black girl and I have personal concerns about her self-esteem as she's growing up in this world. So my wife and I do some preemptive things in the form of books that are age appropriate for her. Now, some of those books have been specifically about her hair, all right? So she's comfortable with her hair because she had said, you know, maybe a few comments about wanting to have longer hair and that sort of thing, you know, because she sees her friends. She doesn't say that really anymore, which is good. And I don't know if it's because of the books or if she's just sort of figured out, hey, my hair is also great. And there was this other book uh, that I got her and it was about um, a, a young black girl who liked to sing and dance and act. And she wanted to play Snow White in the school play. And people were saying she couldn't play Snow White and she was having an attack of self-confidence as a result. And ultimately at the end, she decided to get on stage. She got comfortable. She sang, she danced, she got the part of Snow White. And I said to my daughter, you see, you can be anything that you wanna be. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, I know that. Why are you telling me this? <laughs> and I said, oh, oh okay, great. Um, and then I sort of had to uh, backtrack a little bit and I was like well what, did I do the right thing with preemptively giving her this book and reading this story if she didn't already have these sort of these sort of feelings I was I guess sort of preemptively building on the confidence that she that's maybe she already had I think it's beautiful that you brought it up to her and that you're finding books and resources that fit her I think more and more we're going to see more books that are more appropriate for children of color or children that have disabilities that are different, that they can see themselves in that book. But the thing that I think as a parent that you did exactly right is that when you gave her that big praise, you gave her all of these resources, in the end she looks at you and goes, I know that. You should just pat yourself on the back. Rather than thinking, did I do something wrong? Okay. I would say you did everything right. Because then when her self-esteem maybe was being tested, I know that. I know what to do. I've got this. I can handle it. So I think you're doing it right. Oh, well, that's fantastic news. <laughs> this is the best podcast I think we've ever done. <laughs> See, I'm praising you. Yeah, I like it. My self-esteem has certainly grown. <laughs> Are there any specific activities that parents can do with their child to help build the foundation of confidence? I think for starts, a lot of the things we've already talked about, praising your child, giving your child the good positive words, even the I love yous. Some people think, well, of course, but not every child is getting that. I think the I sentence is talking about yourself taking responsibility, talking about how you feel, how you did, modeling that positive self-talk and those affirmations. I know right now on a lot of the 
social media or on you know TikTok type things, you see a lot of kids doing those daily affirmations. I am brave. I am strong. That's exactly what positive self-talk is. I love those videos. I think the other thing is to encourage their own personal interests. You know, if your child is better at art than you are and you've never even considered giving the kid an art class, give them an art class or ask them, what would you like to do? You know, forcing them down the soccer path may not be for every kid. So if they have interests, really encourage that because that's where they're gonna be good. That's where they're gonna get those positive, that confidence builders. And then I think the other thing is helping other people, volunteering, giving back, helping other people also is something that boosts your self-esteem. All right, well, thank you, Dr. Smolyansky. This was a fantastic conversation. I know I learned uh, quite a bit today. Number one, for all of you parents out there listening, building self-esteem in your kids likely starts with you and your own self-talk. Number two, apparently I am a great dad. <laughs> Dr. Smolyansky, what about final thoughts uh, before we sign off today? I would just have to say thank you for doing these kind of podcasts. I think this is good information to get out to parents, reminders to people who are already doing it well, and maybe some suggestions for people who need a little help. All right. Thank you so much. This episode was recorded on October 12, 2021. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes. Our theme music was created by Stephen Grieco. This episode was produced by Symphony Pitts. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us next week on the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. Follow Cincinnati Children's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.